from Merced, California. Covenant lady, covenant friend to my family, her and her family. We consider them family, just living in a different place on the planet. And we're so glad. But let's look at 1 Peter 4 here, just these two verses, verse 10 and 11. For preachers particularly, or whatever you do, if you teach a Sunday school class or whatever, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. That could be a ministry gift, that could be a gift of the Spirit, uh, whatever your calling may be and so forth. Uh, minister the same one to another as good stewards uh, of the manifold grace of God or the many faceted graces of God or abilities of God. I, I would call grace the ability. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So, you know, I usually confess that over myself when I'm getting ready to preach in my private time. Father, as you've gifted me, let me minister that to the others. And then I say, because if I'm going to speak, I'll speak as the words of God. That's what that says. The oracles are the words of God, the written word. Speak in line with that. And if I'm going to minister to somebody through laying on the hands or whatever, through the gifts of the Spirit or a combination, that God would use me. So we're praying and believing that for Pastor Debbie this morning. And what a privilege it is to welcome you, Pastor Simons. She has been such a lady of faith, and she's preached in this pulpit many times. I think the first time I remember, and I, know I may be wrong, Pastor Debbie, but we, you and I were with Dr. Dufresne. There was a bunch of us, maybe 20 or 30, in Lima, Peru. And if I remember right, he just walked over and said, you're up. Something like that. No, no advance notice whatsoever. And she just came to the pulpit and took off. And, I mean, it was wonderful. And I, I don't know who was with me, Dennis or somebody. I said, hey, she's got a prophetic gift in her. There's a prophetic edge on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're honored to have you, Pastor Debbie. Thank you for being in covenant and give your love to my, my dear friend, your husband, Pastor Johnny. Come on, Pastor Debbie. Let's welcome her. Thank you. Amen. Bless you. Love you. Amen. You may be seated. It is, we're ecstatic to be here. <laughs> like uh, Pastor Jordan was saying last night, uh, it's better to be here than to be at home. <laughs> and we are so uh, thankful that uh, Dr. Jacobs and Pastor Diana had this meeting because uh, our spirit man was hungry to be together with the saints because there's something happens when we all come together. Amen. And so I, I appreciate. And, and then, you know, the honor of being able to minister to you uh, was is just, it, it's very humbling to me. I, we came, you know, when we decided to come, which I told my daughters, you know, we were looking at this meeting. It got canceled. This meeting got canceled. This meeting got canceled. You know, and I said, oh, my God. You know, and so um, uh, we we're just believing that this meeting didn't get canceled. And so when it was a go, we were ecstatic, you know, we're taking pictures on the airplane, you know, first airplane ride of the year, you know. <laughs> so we were so thankful, you know, and, um, and let me just go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for the deposits and I thank you for those that have deposited in me. 
And I, I stand here, Father, to, to represent, Father, the, the gift of God that's in me, but also those that have poured into me because none of us get anywhere by ourselves. And so we're thankful, Father, for the voices and those that you bring into our life. And, and so, Father, may uh, now I, I pray that I connect my tongue to my spirit so that what you are saying to the church will be heard. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. First of all, I want to say I'm so thankful that uh, to have been, to have time with Dr. Dufresne and to receive the impartations that he brought to us. Uh, he, you know, he was a spiritual father. My husband and I, we got saved and we had a pastor. And we were connected to that pastor for 16, 17 years. But then some things shifted, and God brought Dr. Dufresne supernaturally into our lives, and he really became our spiritual father. And the impartations that we received are just, uh, we wouldn't be able to be effective right now with what's going on if we hadn't received those impartations from our spiritual father. And, of course, having a spiritual father, uh, we we received we came into another company and we got a spiritual family and so this is where we were connected with uh, the Jacobs and and what a wonderful uh, what a the wonderful dynamics that God has because he knows what you're going to do he knows what he's designed for you to do and so he brings the right people into your life to help you to fulfill his very plan and purpose so you know um, I, I'm, I want to tell my story like uh, Pastor Diana said last night you know, we're going along, and all of a sudden, you know, within 24 hours, everything is shut down in California. And, of course, you know, the way that it was portrayed was it was, it was supposed to be two weeks just to help the overflow that could be happening in hospitals and all of that. But two weeks ended up being into what we are seeing now. And, of course, you know, um, several things happened during that time. You know, first of all, we were very uh, glad, proud, not in a negative sense, but a positive sense of our church, how they just stepped up to the plate when overnight they were not coming to church in person. And like Pastor Diana said, you know, the thought just crosses your mind, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, will people respond financially like they have responded when they're not in person? You know, so you find out the level of the word that's in them when they respond and they all, you know, responded. I mean, financially, we did not skip a beat. In fact, we increased financially. People saw the severity. And I mean, I, the, you know, people that really had never even tithed were tithing online. You know, it was just yeah. uh, and 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 people that really had even disconnected themselves from our church connected reconnected themselves through you know this media you know the way you know and they're you know love the message and you know making all the little dots and <laughs> doogalies on the thing you know and so so we saw something happen you know but as it progressed we realized something that you know your Governor has a very is a very powerful role in your state, and of course in California, you, most of you know that we have been really shut down a lot more than other states have, and so we realized that that figure of authority um, really played more of a role than we thought, you know. And so you know that makes you aware because if you're the church, you, you we are uh, uh, instructed in the Word of God to pray for those that are in authority in civil authority so that we, 
that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. You know, Brother Hagen always instructed the church to pray for the leaders because he said in one of his teachings, he said, if we don't get the right man in office, our lives will look really different. Our economy will look different and it will just be more difficult, you know, to do what we're supposed to do. It will not be impossible, but it'll be more difficult. And obviously God, you know, saw it fit to put in his word that that is to affect the way that we do things so that we are to pray for them. So we realized we needed to start praying more diligently for those that had the power to allow us to come together or not allow us to come together. And so we realized that. And after a while, we got to where we were allowed to be in the parking lot. So we had drive in or drive up church or drive by, you know. And we said, you can't use drive by in California because that means totally something else. <laughs> you know, and we had new, brand new garbage cans where they could drive by and drop their tithe in. You know, it's just, it's kind of comical, you know. But somewhere in doing that, all of a sudden, in my spirit, I began to become grieved because I realized we're missing something. The church is supposed to come together. The word of God says, you know, I long to see your face so that I can impart something. You know, so and one of them is so that I can uh, uh, see, and I'm paraphrasing, so that I can impart something that's lacking in your faith. So I've got to see your face. So I began to tell the church, listen, we cannot be passive about what's going on. You know, yes, this is something that we've never experienced before, but we have every bit of equipment to handle this. It's been given to us. And then there's the, those that have pioneered and, and we've learned more about our spiritual equipment and the authority that we have. So there is no way that we can stay passive because we should refuse to call this the new normal. And, you know, that's the propaganda that's coming out now, that this is the new normal, you know. And you have, when the enemy is subtly coming in and trying to push down the church, and no matter how this thing happened, you must understand that the enemy is working in this because if he can keep the saints from coming together, there is a level of power that he will be able to hinder. And that's why we need to understand that we cannot be passive through this. Now, I was very clear with our congregation. I'm not trying to incite a riot. I'm not trying to pick up picket, you know, sticks and signs and all of that. I am encouraging people to do what they have been designed to do in the prayer closet, in their faith, in their speaking, in not letting this get on the inside of them. Even when it came to mass, I said, I'm, I wear a mask because I am complying to authority, but I am not wearing it because I believe that it's going to protect me. I've got the word to protect me. By his stripes, I was healed. Not I'm going to be healed. I, I am the healed, and I'm not going to let the devil tell me that he can put his sickness and disease on me. Why? Because Galatians 3, uh, 3.13 says, I've been redeemed from the curse. I've been redeemed. And what I found out is that I began, had to put the refresh button on in my church and begin to refresh people in the truths of who the church really is. We are the restraining force of darkness on this earth. When we're gone, it, this is not going to be a place that you want to be. 
So we have power and we have authority, but we better understand that we need to use it. And then, you know, I begin to think about Dr. Dufresne. What would Dr. Dufresne do in a pandemic? Well, I'll tell you what, he wouldn't do what most people would think he would do. Dr. Frayne was never passive about anything that was going to affect the church of the living God. And I, I so uh, am thankful for that mantle and that voice that he would get up into the spirit and he would change things. You know, uh, Pastor Diana and I, we were talking about a, a service and I was in that service in, in uh, 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 Cedar Rapids. And Dr. Dufresne got in the spirit and he saw what was going to come, try to come to the United States. And what was going to try to affect us. And really, it, oh, it looks like it, that, that, it, that uh, plan almost is more apparent now than it was when he got in the spirit. So the, the other thing that I saw by experience in all this is that we have to pray for those that have those voices and those places. So they can do what they need to do. You know, Brother Hagen held a lot of things back in this nation. Dr. Frayne held a lot of things back in this nation. We've got to believe for the voices to come to the forefront and do what they're supposed to do as long as, as well as us doing our job. But the thing that I began to talk to my church about was, you know, we are essential. You know, they're trying to label us non-essential, but we are essential. And we have to look at ourselves as essential and we have to look at ourselves not as a group waiting to get clearance to do something. I'm talking about a mental attitude. I'm talking about drawing in out of your spirit and don't accept. I'm not saying not comply. I'm saying don't accept in your, on the inside of you that we are a group waiting to get the green light to go. No, we are a people that have the power and the authority to turn some things, to change some things. That's why we're here on this earth. So things like this don't, you know, overtake a nation. This is what we're here for. And we are fully equipped for the task. Amen. But you know what? We have to realize that our believing counts, our speaking counts, our praying counts, we have to believe that it counts. You know, many times people in a church, they think that their presence and their supply is insignificant. But we as pastors know that every supply is important. But the devil dupes them into backing up, shrinking back, and sometimes even allowing the enemy to push them out because they think that their supply is not important. And yet we know it's important. We know it's a supply of everyone coming together. Well, sometimes the devil tries to do that with the church. Make us believe that we are not important or that one church is not important. Every church is important. Every church has a part to play. And we have to begin to be offensive and not defensive. Amen. And like I said, I kept, you know, I, we're there in California with, you know, we, California's got a rough crowd, you know. And so I always tell people, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to incite a riot. I'm trying to stir you up to stand in the place of authority that's been given to you. And let's get together. And, and, and the, when we come together as one voice and one heart, we're going to get some things done. Because trust me, if the enemy can take an inch, he'll take a mile. 
And we cannot be passive about this. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, starting in verse 19. Th this one verse that I'm going to get to, it, it began to go over and over and over as I begin to get more grieved that the needs of the people are not being met fully if we're not together. They're, they're, they're not. The Bible has a pattern of how we are designed to function. And we are designed to come together. And so as that, you know, just as I begin to get grieved in the spirit, you know, God began to just, you know, highlight some things in the word so that I could talk to our congregation and get them to realize that, you know, yes, this may have been taken us by surprise and maybe, you know, there's just a lot of things going on, but don't, uh, um, don't minimize the part that you play even at home. Don't accept this. We have to use our faith and use our authority to push this back. We are the ones that are to do it because no one else is going to do it. Not like us. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more. Do not forsake the assembling. How do we know that the day is approaching? Well, what is it in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5? It says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. It gives you a definition. And if you go and look at that, you can see that's all around us now. So we know that the day is approaching. And it says, all the more as you see it approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And that word assembling just sort of went off in me. So, you know, I, I, I went to some commentaries and everything about that word right there. Because it's not about just all coming together in a building. Assembling together is not just about us just showing up. It's about us coming full, us bringing our faith us making the atmosphere conducive for the spirit of God to flow in how he, you know, des has designed to flow in every service. It's not just about showing up in a building. You know, clubs show up in a building. The church is not just saying, you know, just show up. You know, if when things get rough, just show up. Because the early church... They had to, you know, bring some order because people were showing up. You know, in Corinthians, they were showing up and they were full and they were doing things, sometimes speaking over each other when they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit and everything. So they had to bring order. But, but even though the Corinthian church was a carnal church and they had the gifts flowing, notice that they came and they had the gifts flowing. So the church, when it comes together, it doesn't just come to fill a seat. 
It comes to do something. When we come together, there's a corporate anointing. And we have learned from our, you know, forefathers in the faith that in that corporate anointing, you can get things done a lot easier in that corporate anointing. When everyone is believing for healing to flow, when everyone is believing for things to happen. That's why we all come and we come engaged. You know, we've got a part to play even if we're not speaking. And we come with the attitude that I'm bringing my part. Why? Because I'm going to draw on the anointing. And whatever God wants to happen in that service, what he wants said in that service is going to happen. Because I come, I come full, and I come ready and engaged to draw on that anointing so God can have his way. The church of the living God, it's not, uh, it's not passive. And it's not about just filling up a seat. And, and that's what I was telling our church. I go, listen, it, it, it isn't just about them, you know, opening up the doors and like us, like cattle, we just run through. We, 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 we are a living organism, if I could use that, without being disrespectful. There's power in what we do. And I wanted to refresh my church on that, on those truths. There is power in what we do. The living church should be, should be a force to be reckoned with, to be a force to be contended with. I said to them, what if we were here and we had the anointing and we were laying hands on the sick and, and every COVID patient was, was getting healed? I'm going to tell you something. They wouldn't put us in the fourth rung of being open. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we got colors now, you know, at ours. It's color, color purple, color red, orange, you know. And basically our governor said green is non-existent. That's what he said in one of his things. He said, green is not existent. That means full open, no mass. And we said, no, 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 no. We stand against those words. No, we're going to open up. You might not know we're going to open up, but we're going to open up. Because the power that's working with us is greater than the power of your reasoning ability or whatever. And I'm, listen, I'm not mad at him because I, I believe that he's making decisions based on information that he got, you know, that's what he's doing. Uh, maybe some of those may be um, helping him in other ways. We don't know. But I, I, but I don't know that. So I'm not against a man. I'm against the force behind it. Because we wrestle not with flesh and blood. But with principalities and powers. So we're standing against what they're trying to say. And that's one thing that Dr. Dufresne taught us. You know, you stand against something that's coming against the church. And we do it in the spirit. In the spirit. That's where we do it. We understand that I'm not going to receive that. I am not going to receive that the United States, that our normal is going to be this. And I'm certainly not going to receive that California is going to stay the way it is. Because that's my home. And I said, you know, there, there's a bunch of things, you know, when you go and you're on YouTube and you're listening to different ministers and stuff. There's all kinds of things that pop up. And, you know, you can just look at those blurbs and, you know, it, there's little blurbs that say, you know, uh, mass exodus from California. You know, people are leaving California. You know, I started to look at that, you know, and I said, of course, I, I don't know what they're saying. I didn't click on um, them. And I said, uh, you know what? I'm in California. I was born and raised in California. I know what goes on. I know the predominant spirits in California. But really, it's because... The believers in California 
need to step up and do what they're supposed to do. Because one thing that I learned uh, listening to uh, Dr. Summerall was we can affect the predominating atmosphere over a city or a county or a state. The church can affect it so that the spirit of God can flow easier without as much hindrance. You know, we're not going to drive all lawlessness out because you'd have to drive all people that yield to lawlessness. But we can affect the atmosphere. So I said, I'm not letting the devil take California. And I told my church, I said, this is where we live. We're not going to let the devil have California. It's about time we realize that, listen, there's a lot of godly people in California. And we want to live good lives. Amen. And so how do we know this? How do we know to pray like that or to believe like that? Because of those that have imparted to us. I'll tell you what really stirred me up is we, I think it was last month. Not last month. This is October. It wasn't September. It was August. Dr. Jacobs was our book of the month, right? On impartations. Oh, my God. That is such an excellent book. I mean, that just, that just winds me up. Because we've gotten some great impartations from those voices that God brought into our life. And I always think about the impartations that I've gotten from Dr. Dufresne. And I think, what would Dr. Dufresne do in a, in a situation like this? Well, he wouldn't sit passive. Because he'd get in the spirit and start dealing with things. And that's what he trained us to do. Amen? So the, the word assembling... It started just rolling around in me because the assembling together, again, is not just people coming together. There are things that happen in the church when we come together. But here that Matthew Henry talks about assembling and it says the assembling or gathering of ourselves for Christian communion in for Christian communion in private or public is an earnest of our of, of being gathered together with him in his appearing. And I looked up that word earnest because, you know, Pastor, Jacob, Pastor Jordan said, you know, I just looked up this word. I said, well, I'm going to look up that word earnest. <laughs> earnest is showing sincere and intense conviction. So it says to show our sincere and intense conviction of gathering with the Lord when he returns. This is why we gather together when, you know, here on earth to, to show a, a, an earnest uh, conviction. And then it says union is strength. Continual assemblies together beget and foster love and give good opportunity for provoking good works by exhorting one another. We provoke one another. I can't tell you how refreshed I've been because I come into a service or a room with people are of like faith. And, and we just spark off of one another. Just by seeing each other, you know, you kind of go, oh, we're together with people that believe like us. They understand what we're going through. You know, they're not going to think we're weird or, or, or odd or how we believe. We can't talk to other people like we can talk to each other. We just can't even relate. It's like we're just not even the same species. But when we come together in like-mindedness, in our faith together, something happens that is so necessary. It's necessary for the, the, the strengthening in our spirit man. And we cannot let anything take that away from us. 
And that's why we have to be offensive. But we have to understand why it's important. We have to tell our people why it's important to be to come together because after a while when you're out there by yourself and you know you're anything you watch they're, they're they're just feeding you they're feeding you doom and gloom for all practical purposes and i'm not trying to be uh, let me just do a little uh, what is it disclaimer here i'm not trying to be um n- not heartless or or you know callous but when all of this news came out, they tried to, uh, there was a lot of fear with the propaganda of how this thing was going to, how dangerous it was. It made you feel like the, the, the person, the average healthy person could be on the verge of dying if you got it. That's kind of how the propaganda came out. You know what I mean? And I realized that they didn't know everything about it. And, but, you know, this is what began to fill people's minds. And when you fill their mind, if you don't fill it with something else, after a while, it's going to get in their heart. See, and that's why when all of this is coming out that's trying to feed people's minds with fear, the church has to be there to feed them with the truth that's going to destroy the fear. You know, you got to say, listen, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. How about this? A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000, but no evil shall come nigh my dwelling place. And then you have to be careful about the words of your mouth. Let, Let me tell you my story on this. I went, I went to have a, a physical with a doctor that I do annually. And so I said, doctor, because, you know, when you go in, they got to take your temperature. They take your temperature about three times before you get to see him. And so, I, you know, I go, you know, he says, how, how are you doing? You know, I said, doctor, I go, this is crazy. Have you, would you ever believe that this would happen in the United States? He goes, oh, yes. I go, you did? He said, yes, and he named several other viruses that have come out, which I probably didn't even know about. And so he said, oh, yes, this, this, and this. And then he said this. He said, when men desire to have power, they will create things, and it will bring things on the earth, because you understand this was created in a, in a lab. You know, it was like it was their mistake, and they're making us feel, you know, like dogs because, you know, something got on our body and they're making us feel like, you know, like a murderer because we transmitted it to someone else. I mean, that's what I've had to, how to, had to talk my people out of feeling guilty. Because, you know, when you come in contact with it, you don't even know that you have it or you're carrying it and you're around someone else unknowingly and then it spreads. And so they're acting like guilty. I said, wait, 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 wait. You are not the creator of this. The devil is. So you're going to put the blame on somebody, put the blame on the devil. But don't put the blame on yourself. Don't feel like some dirty dog because I did something wrong. No, the devil is the author of sickness and disease. Ding, 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 ding. Let's remember who the author is. You and I are not the bad guy. Coming together, you know, it's not the bad. We're not the bad people. It's the author of it. But we've been redeemed. So I noticed that I'm having to say things to people all the time. Now, wait, stop feeling guilty. Come on. Did you listen? You didn't intentionally get this. So when that doctor said something, he says, With, within a year and a half, everybody will be exposed to it. He says it's going to have to run its course. 
I said, okay, that's the doctor talking. So, you know, I, there's other people in our church that have family members that are in the health facility, health care and all that. And so, you know, we were all talking, yeah, it's got it's to run its course. It's got to run its course. Got to run its course. <laughs> so one day I started a new diet plan. You know how that goes. <laughs> I said, let's start a new diet, girls. So, you know, you take out all the sugar and all the starch, you know. The first day I go, man, I feel great on this diet. I'm so glad I'm eating clean now, you know. <laughs> That's day one. Day two, whoo, I'm telling you what, listen, I, girls, I got more energy. I got all that starch out and all that, you know. Day three, I go, man, I think the toxins are leaving because I'm feeling a little puny. I just, you know, I could just tell, you know, kind of like my, 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 you know, what is it? My muscles were kind of achy or something. I go, oh, I, this toxins are leaving me now because, I mean, I'm doing good on this diet. By that evening, you know, I'm running a low-grade fever, and I have come to the pulpit many times and said, church, listen, we love you. In this climate, I'm asking you, if you start to feel, not feel good, if you start to run a fever, please stay home because it will affect the church. You know, this is when they kind of let us go back in for a little bit, then they threw us out again. And so I said, in this climate, we don't want, you know, we don't spread anything. So please, I'm asking you. Now, you know, that's not really how the church is supposed to be because the church is supposed to be where you can come and receive healing. So I said, I need you to not renew your mind to the fact that I always stay home when I'm sick. To be honest with you, I, I was telling my church, I said, they're trying to, this, what's going on is trying to change the thinking of the church being the church. And I said, think about this for just one moment. They're trying to make you afraid to sit next to somebody that could have something. How are you going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover if you're concerned that they got something you're going to get something? I said, now understand, you can comply without taking on their thinking. I am complying, but I'm not taking on your thinking. Because if I'm taking on your thinking, I'm going to hesitate when I got to lay hands on people. And at some point, when you make me do it so long, I'll just stop doing what I'm supposed to be doing. At some point, if you're not constantly renewing your mind, at some point, you're going to stop doing what you should be doing. And let me take a little side trip. When they first let us in, I'm in there, you know, oh, my God, we got to come in. You know, now, right now during worship, you know, just raise your hands up if you need healing, you know, because, of course, I'm going to try to comply. At the end of the service, like our first service back in the church, when I'm done, my husband, he walks up and he goes, and I go, oh, yes, honey. He goes, I'm going to lay hands on everybody. I said, well, the pastor's going to lay hands on everybody. Come on up, ushers, you know. What you going to do? What you going to tell an 81-year-old man who's a pastor of the church? You ain't going to tell him, no, no, the law said you can't lay hands on people. Oh, listen, I, I, I'll totally be rebuked in front of my, the congregation. So I said, Pastor's going to lay hands on everybody. Let me tell you what happened. We had people that were still, that didn't want to come in. They didn't want to come in the church. So they were still listening from the parking lot. You know, you could pipe it out to the radio. They, came, they all came running in. <laughs> what in the world? You don't want to come in and sit in the congregation with everybody? You're sitting on the car. When pastor's going to lay hands on everybody, do you realize you're coming in the building? And so we were laughing. We were laughing hysterically. We sent this 
video to uh, Reverend Stephen, you know, we go, oh, our first service. And, you know, of course, I had announced in the beginning, they asked us not to lay hands on you. So we know that, you know, there's no distance in the spirit. I mean, I'm trying to be all, you know, compliant <laughs> in my verbiage. <laughs> and then he gets up, he's going, I'm going to lay hands on everybody. Okay. <laughs> so we sent this video. And what did Re Reverend Stephen say? A, a little virus for you, a little virus for you, a little virus. <laughs> We laughed. We laughed so hard. But I thought, no, I'm not going to stop him. But see, that's my husband's bonus. My husband, uh, too, really is not going to knuckle down to something like this. You understand? But, of course, I told my, my church, we can comply without taking on that nature, without taking on that process. I can wear a mask because it's a... Uh, 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 not really a law, but what is it? They call it something. Uh, an ordinance. I can wear a mask because it's an ordinance. But I am not counting on that mask to protect me from anything. Because I told my congregation, if you have fear, it'll jump past that mask. Sickness will jump past it. And it'll go further than six feet if you have fear. Fear is the open door. So let me get back to, you know, it's got to run through. It's got to run through. It's got to run through. I'm on my third day. Oh, I thought, listen, I'm having, you know, dieter's fatigue or something. <laughs> then all of a sudden when I realize I'm running a fever, I go, oh, this isn't dieter's fatigue. And I had told the church, please, if you're running a fever, if you feel, you please, because we want to keep the church open. So, of course, I said, well, listen, this is what I told the people to do. I'm not going to church. And so basically what we ended up doing is we shut down for two weeks because within a day or two, people are calling and saying, you know, they made me test because I was getting ready to have a procedure and we tested positive. And so like within three days, I mean, there it was. And for months, nobody had been around it. We, we had been coming to church and everything. And now it's about the middle of July or something. And it's like, you know, so many. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, could you remember what Dr. Frank said? We're in speaking terms with our father. I said, now, Lord, why, why did I get these symptoms? I, I wasn't afraid of it. And the Spirit of God said, but you said it had to run through everybody to develop an immunity. You said out of your mouth. It's got to run through people to get to. He says, now, now not according to for you. It doesn't, it doesn't have to run through you. to have, You have an immunity that the word gives you. But you agreed with what they said. We don't realize how powerful our words are. Because, I, you know, when I go into the store, I tell my congregation, I said, you know, I have to remind myself where I'm going. Because, you know, at that time, they wanted you to take wipes and wipe off the baskets. And we've got one Walgreens that's, like, on the bad side of town, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, there's just, you know, homeless people and, you know, just all this all around. But it's a good Walgreens, I'm just telling you. It's packed. Better than the cleaner one on the other side of town. So I go, listen, I go into Walgreens on our street and they all start laughing because they know, you know. And I said, I have to remind myself, oh, my goodness, I probably should have cleaned the basket before I put my hands on it. Oh, well, I'm in here now, you know. So I'm not thinking about this. You know, I'm not afraid of it. But... I took on the thinking and I began to say it. And I said it more than once. They just need to open up because everybody's got to get. But see, that's wrong. Why? Because it's just so easy for the world's thinking to slip in and then to, for you to just take on a little bit of it. 
That's why we have to understand the power and the authority that we have as the church, and we stand against what the enemy is trying to do. Now, we know sickness and disease, the author of that is the devil. No matter how it's being treated in our nation, the author of it is the devil, and we have authority over his power. But if we don't let people or refresh our people in who they are and the authority that they have and why it's important that we come together, they're going to be passive about it. And we need them to not be passive about it. So I begin to tell them, no, we really, as a church in unity, we got to start believing God and taking our authority that this thing opens up. And, 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 we're not, and whatever inch they give us, we're not satisfied until it's all done. Because that's the power that we have. You know, shortly after that, Pastor Nancy did a, a, a teaching, uh, um, you know, on, I don't know if it was Facebook or whatever. And she said, you know, she felt an urgency to pray for our nation, you know. And, of course, I, I, to me, it was, it was about all of this pushing it back. Because I could see that it was affecting my congregation now. In one sense, they saw the value of the church. They, they stepped up. They were, you know, the finances increased. I mean, and I said from the beginning, we're not just going to survive through COVID. We're going to thrive. And so, you know, we, in that respect, but it's like, it's not about just walking in and doing a, an hour service in front of a camera and, and having all the bills paid. There's a whole lot more than that. And now, you know, for some people, that was easy. And they didn't care about opening up. In our city, there are huge churches that don't care about opening up. They just, they just do record everything. But in my spirit, it's like, no, this is wrong. We got to be together. Because the, there's something happens when we come together. We are a force to be contended with, but we need to remind ourselves. We need to shake ourselves and say, listen, this is of the, the devil. I'm not mad at people. I'm not against even people that are making rules. You know, they're just, I mean, I'm just treating it as if they're trying to do the best they can with the information that they have. But I know who the author of it is when it comes to the church. And that's why God began to deal with me about the assembling. It's not just being in the same building. It's coming together for a purpose. It's coming together to accomplish the will of God. We are the voice of hope to this world. You know, we get our people full of the word and they can go out to their workplace and say, hey, listen, don't be afraid of that. Let me pray for you. We, you know, we, we're the body of Christ. And so that's when God began to stir me about the assembling There's so much more in that word, assembling. It's not just about coming together. It's coming together and being the church. Amen. He says here, he goes on to say, when we frequently and in numbers meet together, the power of Satan are overthrown. The powers, excuse me, of Satan are overthrown and his mischief is neutralized by your like mindedness in faith neutralize when you get together and you begin to speak of the things of God and magnify the power of God and magnify our covenant rights 
It begins to neutralize those thoughts that have been floating around because you can't hardly turn the TV on without them throwing something at you about how worse it is and how worse it's getting and the total of deaths and all of that. When it hit our church, and I have to say within probably three days, there were between 40 and 50 people that were affected immediately. But none of them were hospitalized. There were a few that had to go into emergency and maybe get a, a breath inhaler. And there were some that had to go in, and here's what they told them. It's not really the virus. It's the fact that you're dehydrated. So they didn't treat their bodies correctly when these symptoms came on. So it wasn't really, oh, and then, and, and I mean, I'm talking about every single person in our church that was, you know, that had that infection attack their body. And of course, it, you know, what people don't understand is there's a measure of that, that because you're part of the body and you're connected to a local church, there's a measure of anointing that just carries you. There's protection just right there. There's a protection that you get in the word, but there's a protection when you are connected to your local church. You're committed. You're connection, connected. There's a protection right there, whether you realize it or not. But as fast as it came, it went. But that's when I started to tell them, I said, church, we have to be offensive in the prayer closet. We have to be offensive in our Believing, filling ourselves up with our covenant right. We have to be offensive in our speaking. Because you've got to watch what you say of what of the, the world's thinking gets in you. Because when you say it, you're going to have it. And I mean, I literally went and said, God, what is up? I, I, I'm certainly not afraid of any of this. And he said, yeah, but you said. You know, it's funny when God plays that little recorder. And it was so innocent, you know, and I mean, I'm just saying this. So like, you know, just open up California. My God, open up California. It's got to run through everybody. But when I said that, I, my, myself was included and you can't do that. Your words have to be on your covenant rights at all times, at all times. So I just began to push the refresh button. You know, there's nothing that I'm saying this morning that you have not heard. Nothing at all. You know all this. But what I wanted to do was push that refresh button. Because we have to stir ourselves up in the truth of who we are. You know, what we've been designed for. How God has laid out the blueprint. I even went after this and began to talk to our church about the vision of the church. You know, when God sets a man, he gives him a plan. He gives him a desire uh, 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 of what to accomplish, which is God's vision. It's his design. And the pastor that founded our church received the vision from God as he separated himself under prayer. And God told him, you go back to Merced, California, and you start a church. And I want it to be, and you understand this is in Somewhere in the 70s, the late 70s, early 80s, he says, I want this church to be a place where the word is taught and the spirit is allowed to move. And you understand that's kind of like when the word of faith was really, you know, so we were a word of faith church, but really we were a word and spirit church. And that was the vision. 
And then he began to tell him about outreach and the facets of, of the ministry. And when my husband and I, when we got there and we heard the vision, we connected ourselves to the vision. We connected ourselves to helping our pastor fulfill what was in his heart, what God had put in his heart for that church. We connected ourselves to the vision, to the plan of God. And I was telling our church, I said, do you understand that we are still here today because we connected ourselves to God's plan and God's plan, the, the connection to it has kept us through all kinds of things. And when the pastor left us the church, we said, well, we got a vision here. We, we don't have to think about what to do. We got a vision here. This was the word of God. This was from God. We believed it. We have sacrificed for it. So we're not going to try to go and create our own vision. Sometimes people think you got to go do something different. No, when God speaks to a man, he gives him a design and he gives him the plan. Listen, you just hook up to it. And we knew it was God. So we told our church, we have the same vision that was in the original. Why? Because the vision was from God. And the vision is bigger than one man. It's bigger than one family. If you stay with the vision, God will always provide for the vision. I said, do you understand that it's time? And, you know, we laminated our vision so that we could give everybody a copy and keep it in their Bible or their iPad or whatever. I said, do you understand that it's time for the vision? The vision needs land. And the vision needs the financing. And the vision needs the building. The bigger building. The vision needs it. And it's time. So I said, guess what, church? It's not us trying to acquire land and build a building. The vision needs it. <laughs> you understand? That's bigger than us. We're not trying to, you know, strong arm God for something. This is the vision and it needs it. So we connect ourselves for that and we just rejoice and we're going to see God do the work. How many of you know, you know, Dr. Jacobs gave us, a, came and gave us a word and he said, basically, you know, it's time and I'm paraphrasing it. And he said, what were the phrases that he said? Cause I have it in, in my, my thing. He said, if you're a part of this church and if you're serious about this place and there's one other thing he said, if you're, if you're part, if you're, if you're in the church, part of this church serious about this church it's time for an increase of finances because of where you're going he said so now if you're in this church and you're a part of this church and you're serious about this church what is he saying god's got a plan and if you're here and you're connected it's time for increase why because of the plan our increase everything about us is because of the plan that god has so we start to say it's time it's time how many of you know it's time? It's time for what God has said. And the enemy has tried to do something to try to stop. You know, he can't stop it, but he tries to slow it down. And when he comes and tries to slow it down, that's when we have to realize what he's doing. Be aware of what he's doing and say, no, you don't. And boy, when I, when I say those words, no, you don't, I think about Dr. Dufresne. No, you don't. No, you don't. He used to say, we're just mopping up. Jesus annihilated the power of Satan, and we're just here just to keep things in order. We're mopping up. But sometimes, if you let those things slip, 
then the world's thinking and the world's attitude so subtly gets in. Like I said, I, I told, <laughs> told my congregation just the other day, I said, I am so surprised at how many people, and it's not a lot, but how people, their thinking is. I said, you know, some people, they don't want to come in to the building and have church. I go, but you post on social media that you went to the coast. Yeah. How, how, what? I don't get it. How did you think that it wasn't over there, but you think it's in the building where the saints are gathered? If any place I'm going to go and feel safe is when we're gathered and there's a level of anointing, I mean, I'm going to feel safe. And I said, listen, don't post it. My God, be smart enough not to post. I went to the coast last weekend, but I'm afraid to come to church tonight. Did you think you didn't exchange money with anybody at the coast? Come on, you ate dinner. You did something. Listen, my daddy taught me something that was, this was carnal, but I'll, but, I'll, but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll let you in on it. He said, Debbie, he go, Debbie, if you're going to do something wrong, do it by yourself. I'm telling you, because if you do it with somebody else, you're always going to get caught. <laughs> if you're going to say you feel safe going out of town and having a vacation, my God, don't tell anybody. <laughs> What's your thinking? Come on. But I find in pastoring is I always have to answer people's wrong thinking with the word. This is right thinking. And if you're not careful and you don't understand the power and the authority that's been given to you, you will take on the world's thinking and their attitude, and it will affect your life. And that's the thing that we can't do. We have to understand that we are essential. We're talking about revival. Pastors, God needs you for revival. He, you are essential for revival. Why? Because of what you're teaching the people. I heard Brother Hagin just this morning. He's talking about intercession. He's saying before the, the healing revival hit after, I think he said World War II. I could be wrong. He said God had put a burden on his heart before that. And he said, as a young minister, he was going out and ministering. And he said, because of the war, people were so caught up with it that he said, virtually in his circle, there were no like no traveling ministers going out. So there weren't like revivals where people get saved. You know, the evangelist comes in and people get saved and all that. He said, you know, I, the circles that I would go, they'd say, you're about the only one that's traveling because everybody was so focused on the war. And he said, a burden hit me about that. And he said, I began to pray. Because he was going and he was having success. And, you know, Brother Hagin talked about how many people were saved, how many people were filled with the Spirit. And he said, we, I was having success. But when they said that, I realized there were a lot of people, they were so consumed with the war, they were not, they were not being as active in churches as before. And so he said he began to pray. But he said it was about two years before. And so he said when that healing revival hit, he said, you understand, you didn't pray yesterday and it hit. You had prayed before. And he was talking about the fervency in praying for what God wants to do. See, and, and if we take on the thinking 
of what tries to distract us, even if it's national. It's, this is global. If we get so consumed with that thinking, then we're not going to be doing what needs to be done so that the plan of God, revival, will manifest at the right time on this earth. And, and when they started to say, you know, non-essential, I said, oh, that's not right. You don't know how essential we are. You don't know that whatever success you have in this nation is because there's saints praying. I realize you don't know that, but we are not going to accept the label non-essential. Buddy, we are real essential. Because if we was gone, whoo, you'd be in big trouble. You want, the, the, listen, the, 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 the worldly people, they don't know how much they benefit because the church is here. And listen, and we understand we're not mad at them because we know that's just their ignorance. But we should know who we are, what we have, and what we can do. So you have to understand you're essential. And you got to tell your congregation you're essential. It's essential that you stay on track. And it's essential that you don't take on the thinking of what's going on right now. Because it will hinder you. It will push you back. And then once you get some things in, it's just hard to get them out. We have to understand that the more that is thrown at us, we got to be the church. Matthew 16, 18 says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Upon this rock I shall build my church and what? The gates of hell shall not prevail. They shall not prevail. They shall not prevail. They shall not prevail. Prevail. We got to remember that we are the church and nothing that the enemy tries to throw at us will prevail. I appreciate what Pastor Diana said. She goes, you know what? We're here. My family's here. You know, the devil tried to take everything and the kitchen sink to throw at my family. But I'm declaring that we are here and still standing. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what he throws at us, we know who we are. We know what we believe. We know in whom we have trusted. We know that, and so we're here. We're here. Guess what? We're here. We're here. And thank God for it. But this morning, I just wanted to give you just a little uh, refresh button. Let me see if I got, um, well, you, uh, we understand this. First John 5 and 4, this is the victory. That overcometh the world, the world, the world is our faith. We have to understand that we have victory no matter what happens, no matter what happens. We are the church of the living God. We are a force, (laughs) but we've got to believe it. And we got to declare it and we got to act on it. Again, it's, we don't have to go out and pick it. Our voice is heard in secret. When we take authority, when we pray, when we come together. We don't have to draw attention to ourselves. We just got to do what we've been designed to do to keep the enemy in his place. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. <laughs>